This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Episode 23, Series 7 of the sounding board. And for the second consecutive week, I'm looking down the computer screen to Craig Hutchison, who is uh, appearing to be in another hotel room. And my spies tell me, Hutchie, that you've gone from New York last week to Las Vegas this week. Good morning to you, Melbourne time, Tuesday this week. Let's start the conversation, Damo, though, for Mosh, men's online health platform making health easy for men. And you like to reference when we're recording, Damo, so it's 7.39 a.m., so there you go, on a Tuesday. And the reason we're nine minutes late is because you just uh, walked in very flustered (laughs) because you're never late. (laughs) And uh, it was because you were walking into our building, Sports Entertainment Network building, had to walk past the downstairs breakfast team and were shocked to see that Sam Edmund had broken the story that – David Noble was gone. Well, so even, even further to that, Hutchie, driving in here, having uh, having uh, gotten the car and, and listened to him drop that news uh, in the car on the way here. So we just had to then deal with it. And uh, not that we ever need to confirm Sam Edmonds' stories, but you know my policy. You've got to get it yourself before you put your own name to anything. And um, sure enough, as always with Sam Edmund, you, he's right, as always. And, and that is – he has broken that story, as we're talking on this show today, literally um, – I'd say, what, 10 minutes ago, Hutchie, or thereabouts, whatever it is. But, yeah, great great get by Sam, who's having a, uh, a very good career as a, a broadcast journalist, having had a, a very, very good one as a uh, print one. What's your take as a great kangaroo man who's been very frustrated? What's your take on it? Oh, well, it was going to happen. It was it was a matter of when, and and Sam's broken that aspect of it. Um, it's just a continuation of the the mess the footy club is in. And I, I, I'm not comfortable, Hutchie, and I've said this, I think I even said this last week on, on the sounding board with the, the washing of hands of the, the responsibilities and decisions that, that need to be made. I mean, to, to to bring Jeff Walsh in, a man who's twice left the footy club, once as chief executive officer, once as footy operations boss, to bring him back and, and, and start this review and three weeks after he started the review and hasn't yet officially completed it, um, officially is a key word there, um, that decision being made, I, I think it's a decision the club should have made itself without needing to be told what to do by someone like Jeff Walsh. And, but again, I'm not surprised either because the decisions they've made to, to appoint David Noble need, need to obviously be brought into question. They were brought into question by you know myself and, and others at the time. And it's a, it's a second coach that hasn't worked inside three seasons, Reece Shaw, um, barely got through one season of footy. And then you go back to 2019 when... They made the decision to, to to exit Brad Scott, despite him still having 18 months of a, of a fresh deal on, on his book. So, yeah, I mean, they, they are a mess. They are Fitzroy of, of, uh, of the comparison of 1996, not financially, but in terms of how they're, they're being run themselves. And, and that's the biggest problem. And, and that's the problem they now face, how to bring some quality people in while they've got the people there making the, the wrong decisions. And they've hired two coaches with no coaching experience in a row. And... But neither of them really in a process. They just picked them, hired them, took a risk on them both. They've both been the wrong decision. They didn't do enough work on either of them. And they've set their club back 10 years. So anyway, at least, yeah. they've, at least they've all arrived at the decision now. And that's, I guess, more comfort. And I guess the only thing really that saves them from here as an admin is a whale. And there's really only one whale, isn't there, in Alistair Clarkson. There's probably a, a half whale in the... Uh, in a large fish in Adam Simpson, but yeah, you know, Clarkson's really the only whale that they can target from here. And they've got, I guess, two, you know, it looks like the back to the future and the favorite sons and the 
shin boners of old will be the the target. But but as as you you know, Hushy, um, and you don't need me to tell you this, and I think our listeners are in on this. He, he's not going to that club in its current state. I mean, he, he he's coming in, and and he's going to to do everything if he does. Now, I say he's coming in. He's only coming in on 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 one avenue, and that is my avenue, his own avenue, and and that will mean that he will handpick effectively a CEO. He will want to have a say on the board. He will have a an opinion that carries its way from from the, the, the lowest person in the hierarchy through to the highest. And and that that is not necessarily what North needs there either right now. So I'm I'm not all in on the the need to go and get Alistair Clarkson because there are strings attached to that appointment. But you're right though, they they can't possibly go down a another unproven path because that just hasn't worked probably- with, with their own their own uh, structures. There's probably been a, never been a coach that's had more leverage on a club he's potentially considering than Alistair has on North Melbourne right now. And, yeah, there'll be lots of platforms to talk about that ad nauseum in the coming days, so we'll think we'll leave it there. Just to clarify, by the way, I'm on. I'm in Vegas briefly for two days <laughs> oh, on here the we way go. home. Here we go. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not here running around town and uh, partying and playing the tables, Damon. Oh, well, there's, work in, there's work in Vegas, is there, Hutchie? I've been about 15 times to Vegas. I never want to see it again, by the way, but I've never seen any form of work. I've been there for, twice for work reasons, but I, let's face it, Hutchie, it's a little work in inverted commas use. NBA Summer League is on here, so all of the um, NBA teams and the players looking to be NBA players or on the fringe of being NBA players are here. We're looking for two imports at the Perth Wildcats. Oh, you're on a hunting expedition, a fishing expedition. We a coach yesterday, John Rilly, who's here. So having dinner with the coach and his family tonight and then uh, looking forward to having a look at the market and just sitting back with adding not much value, Damo, other than trying to support the decisions that get made, but very serious about building a formidable team, Damo, the Perth Wildcats, and great appointment yesterday with John really so rap for him and rap for uh, the Wildcats and the Red Army as well. Is that why you're there? It's purely Wildcats reasons on this on this part of the, the trip? Yep. So our new head coach is here, John really Our head of basketball is here. Some of our core senior assistants are here and made sense on the way home to call in for a couple of days and spend a bit of time with the team. So looking forward to it. And the um, the NBA presence here is everywhere, everywhere you turn. So it's, it'll be a great um, little learning exercise for me too in, in sport and in basketball. Hey, I didn't miss you last night though on the footy classified. You were sitting in on, on the program, both Carol and I away last night. I watched the clips on social this morning. Gee, you didn't miss John Ralph last night, your old colleague. You did not miss him at all. Yeah. You took aim at John about the inadvertent publishing of the WhatsApp group on his Twitter feed, which he apologised for on Saturday, and you you basically called him a hypocrite last night on television. Well, he and the place he works for he is and are a hypocrite, aren't they? Just because he's a news-limited journalist, you're not just got a vendetta against the paper where you see another chance for a free hit, eh? I mean, the only publication that had really broadcast this story had been the Daily Mail yep. until you gave it a bigger megaphone on Monday night. No, well, that's my point, Hutchie. They, I, I made it the, the point that had someone else done, had had a footballer done what what John Rolfe did by by posting that that vulgar and and, and demeaning uh, re um, rehash of a, of a of a WhatsApp group message that he'd received. Had that been a footballer, Hutchie, he would have been really interested in in a lot of aspects of that, as his organisation would have been, and that's. That's where I was coming at it from, not not necessarily the, the specifics of even the content of the, the vulgar post that, that was broadcast by John Ralph's own social media account. It was more just the questions around it, because that's what he and, and other people at News Limited do when, when other people find themselves in these situations. They, they, they 
a release and, and ask questions of the individual. They ask questions of the, the employers of the individual and they don't ha- want even answers half the time. They just want to be able to then republish the questions that they want answered. And, and that's where I was coming at it from, um, Hutchie. That, that, that was the perspective of which you, I was coming at it from. You can't expect that they would cover the story about themselves though, would you? Like they're not going to do a story on their own journalist and his, and his error, surely. Can, can I put you into this situation? Oh, actually, oh, let, let's put you into this situation. What if you had to use your word, inadvertently done what John Ralph did. What do you think John Ralph would have done by way of covering the story on behalf of News Limited? And then what do you think all the opinion writers would have done around it, Hutchie, after the initial news reporting on it? What what do you think would have happened? We would have been... We would have been run out of town, you and I. Don't worry, let's be honest. <laughs> if it well, had been us. Well, that's my point. Let's be honest. Now, now whether we yep. would have been run out of town is, is another matter, but but they would have set themselves a, a week-long task for, for that to have happened. Now, that's the point I'm making, but but we're just expected to because it's a news-limited person just to just disregard it and forget it. And Oh, let's move on. Let's move on. Nothing to see here at all. Look, there may be nothing to see here, Hutchie, but I'm just highlighting how they would have tackled this issue had it been a non-News Limited media person or had it been... Imagine Jordan DeGoe did it, Hutchie. He wouldn't have been allowed to play, uh, walk in the streets of Melbourne again, let alone play a game of football again. In, in News Limited's uh, eyes. Apologies, Saturday morning, Red. Yesterday, I inadvertently republished an offensive message from a WhatsApp punting chap, chat written by someone I do not know. I had not read the message. I became aware of it when notified by a Twitter user. I apologise for inadvertently spreading the message and any offence caused. How many holes in, in that do you think uh, we've got? How, how many holes in that do you reckon are, are in, in existence? Because it, it seemed to contrast what he initially said. What do you to- cast? Well, again, I'm coming at this not even from the contents of the of the post, which maybe I should come at it from the contents of the post, because, but I don't want to use the words that were in the post because, as I said before, there there's abhorrent language in, in, in the post that he, you know, accidentally, inadvertently, whatever words you want to use, posted. So, but I'm just coming at it from, well, what would happen next if someone else did it? Um, if you want to delve into the specifics of it, I mean, did, did, did he... Did he personally respond to that uh, vulgar language in that uh, message and, and say that's not on? Did, did he did he walk past it? Is there anyone else that that may work with John that was in that group? Um, what's what has been the the conversations that he's had with his employers about using his social media space to to present this to the public? I mean, Hutchie, there's a, there's a lot of questions that they'd like answered to, but 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 maybe they don't really ever want the answers to it when it's all said and done. Maybe it's only when it's not them. Accidental republishing of content is a murky area, particularly if you take John on face value that he hadn't seen the message. So I think if you're a journalist and your job is in the communications business, then you're actually held to a higher account of republishing than anyone else. And I I absolutely accept that John didn't mean any harm and probably hadn't read it and I accept all those things. But you kind of – once you've republished something that is a – uh, demeaning and hurtful as that, yep. I think you're kind of accountable to the actions, whether you like it or not. And I'm interested, does the AFL respect and responsibility uh, policy, which um, John's had some public views on himself over the journey and, and supportive of, as you pointed out on, does that apply to the media as well? Or does it just stop at the door of uh, coaches and players? And- no, nah, it just stops at the door of coaches and other media that's not news limited media, Hutchie, when, when, it's a, when you're coming at it from a news limited perspective. No, I mean, no, that, just, that's how it... Leave, leave, your, leave, your news, leave your news angst hat off just for a sec. The actual AFL policy, does that extend to accredited media? Uh, that's it should, the, right? Yeah, it, well, I, I, yeah and it, it should. Yes, it would. It would. I, it would have to, then, wouldn't it? It would have to. 
then then the AFL would surely be investigating it, I would think. Really? What, I, 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 never, I never thought question. of that. Does, yeah. does, does the policy extend? If it does, then yeah. it would come under that under that. I hadn't, well, again, that's that. the other thing they do. They, they would have asked the question of Gillan McLaughlin, or at least would have would have sought to get the question yeah. to him. And that, that, that's what they do by routine. Just, just on it, Hutchie, the, the, the nuance and the context around the posting, again, You've highlighted the fact that it was inadvertent, and, and yes, it, it was, and, and no one's disputing that aspect of it. But but the nuance around it, they don't care for the nuance when these things happen. They just go straight to the the core of whatever it is that they can think can cause most carnage for the the the, the actual content of the post, and then more importantly to them, half the time the people that that, that find themselves in it. So anyway, I'm just just interested because we just I think, move I think on. You've made your point. I think you made your point. I'm well, you, oh, you raised it. I, I actually wasn't going to raise it today. There you go. Given I was, given I did speak about it last night, and I was asked to speak about it last night on Footy Classified. Um, I wasn't going to back over it today, Hutchie. So we've only talked about it because yeah. uh, you did. Now, speaking of media, and just to change uh, gear a little bit, and perhaps a little bit more tongue in cheek, a couple of things, um, if we can, on doorstops, Damon. <laughs> I've been watching from a distance and reading about you our old friend, the Masai. <laughs> who's, by the way, someone pointed out Mitch Cleary's distance, his role on the sounding board as a producer from his LinkedIn profile, so <laughs> that didn't miss me on my Twitter feed. <laughs> Not good enough, Mitch. <laughs> we made you, Mitch. Let's be honest. Well, he didn't um, give us much, though, did he? But a couple of things here. He didn't give us much in that role. He, he, he had stars in the eyes in a journalistic sense, and he, I think he just thought being a producer of the sounding board was just getting in the way, and, and it probably was for Mitch. It was. Yeah. So a couple of observations that haven't been uh, perhaps aired along the way. Yeah. Uh, observation number one. I, heard, I read the debate with Bucks and Kane Corns and so on. Observation number one. It was actually, when you analyse it, and I feel like I'm qualified to do this, Damo, it was a very <laughs> average attempt at a doorstop. I thought it was a poor effort. Here we go. This is good. And when you it say did... you are qualified, Archie, no one is more qualified. <laughs> so... Like... If I was his, if I was his doorstop coach on Monday, and I was in charge of the doorstop area of the newsroom, I'd say, "Come in here and shut, shut the door, son." Listen, it was a, it was a poor attempt. He gave him too much distance. Like he gave him a good three meters. He asked, he half-heartedly asked the question. The, the microphone was too far apart. He was more concerned with being seen in shot than he was in actually asking the question. And he didn't get in his path. If he'd actually stood in his way of walk, he, he would have got a response. And he didn't ask a second question or a third question, which is where you're going to get your net sound from. So I, I marked it a one out of ten attempt at a doorstop. I thought it was poor. And this is from a young journalist who's been very good at doorstops over the journey. I thought it was. I thought he got intimidated by the person, the possibility of a don't argue in the moment. So I gave it a one. Hang on, you're saying he's defeated before he even started. That's effectively what you're saying there, yeah? Like, you're going to get criticised anyway (laughs) for doing the doorstop. Yeah, and he did. You may as well well throw every punch he got at the doorstop to get the interview. All right, well, let's let's relive it. You can't half pretend to do it. Let's wind the clock back, Hachi. Let's go to 19... Let's pluck the year. 1995? 94 even for you. When was the peak of your doorstopping ways? When was it? 94? 95? 96? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to 95. Let's just pluck 95. It was the 1998 doorstopper of the year, I think, from memory, <laughs> in the AFMAs at the Pinehunt. At the... Actually, it we're going to lacked, reintroduce that. We're going to introduce that award, the doorstop of the year. And that's going to be my <laughs> legacy to the piece. Um, so, okay, you've got a microphone. You've got a microphone, and the game's biggest name is coming towards you in the Punt Road car park. Take Mitch Cleary and other doorstoppers through what they needed to do. Well, first you've got to smile a little bit to make light of the situation you both find yourself in. Because, like, I find a smile breaks a little bit of ice six or seven times out of ten. Oh, and then you say, Such a warm smile, too, actually. <laughs> 
just got to like at least just sort of try and take the edge off it so you don't look like it's the you know you're walking out of court, <laughs> and then you've got to get ahead of your cameraman. You can't. He was side onto the cameraman. This is what I reckon happened. I reckon Dustin was prepared to talk, oh. but he spotted a poor doorstop technique. <laughs> he spotted a poor sto- doorstop technique, and he thought I'll just go around this, and he did. So. <laughs> Mitch, you're going to get criticised. The second thing is, I read on the uh, Herald Sun website the story about Mitch's doorstop, (laughs) and it it quoted the Herald Sun podcast, and Jack Watts, who's in the podcast, saying that Mitch is one of the best blokes he knows because he dates his sister. And so Mitch's relationship (laughs) has been... Kate Watts. Mitch's relationship with Kate Watts has been... Has been exposed by the Herald Sun. <laughs> Inadvertently, Hutchie. <laughs> Inadvertently. And I, and I know they've been together for 18 months or two years. It's hardly a secret. But surely it was their decision when to go public, Damo. And I think this is an invasion of Mitch's privacy that his relationship's been exposed over a, what it was a one out of 10 doorstop attempt. Invasion of privacy. I'm just reading this, Hutchie, because you have, he, have tabled this topic for discussion. So, and this is the post that Super Footy. Footy put out. Debate has raised over that Dustin Martin doorstop, and a panelist on KFC Super Footy TV has a personal connection to the journalist. Watch the show here. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh. His relation, his relationship has turned into clickbait. What's happened in the world? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that. I wasn't aware of that being the angle on that. Hey, speaking of uh, media and, and, and media putting microphones in front of people. How fascinating was it? And I know you're aware of this because we, we were in a, uh, a group chat ourselves actually about this on Friday night, um, big Friday night game, Sydney Swans hosting Western Bulldogs, SCG, massive ramifications for wins and losses and, and those who played the game out of it. One journalist, a very good journalist, by the way, Vince Rigari from the Sydney Morning Herald, but one journalist, one Hutchie, was in the post-match media conferences. This is a staggering yep. development on so many levels for, for, for the types of topics we talk about. Yeah, I mean, the two things that sprung to mind for me were, um, one, it's over. The, the, the after-game press conference is probably over in its current form, and I think just doing them on Zoom is the way to do them, and allowing, you know, hopefully more considered questions from people who may or may not be bothered being able to go. If you, the coaches would be offended by that, but I think it's just over. Um, the second thing is it was a missed opportunity for David Zeta. Like, <laughs> if he'd known there's going to be no one there, he'd have driven. He'd have got a bus up to Sydney to get in that. He'd have, he'd have actually hitchhiked to Sydney and, merely to sit in that room and ask questions. And David Zeta being the uh, the Fox uh, reporter these days, who who we know really well and is always was always going to have a really good career in media. He's having that now. It's going to get bigger. But he he's, as we've alerted our listeners and, and, and uh, observers to, Hutchie, finding himself positioned in the camera line at these crucial marquee slot matches. So, yeah, there you go. That, yep. That's a good point you've made. You've made. And, the, and, the, and the other point that would have stuck with me a little bit is it's an indictment on young journalists, isn't it? Like, it's such an opportunity. If you know no one's going to be there, it's going to be broadcast on television, and you're going to be able to ask half a dozen questions and get some TV hang time. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your night off, your day off, your weekend off, you turn up, wouldn't you? <laughs> what, what's happened this era? <laughs> yeah, well... Well, you, you and I are old school, and, and that's what I think we would have done. But it's very different, Hutchie. And the, the newsrooms are smashed, and you, and you know that. I mean, you, you've you got access to a newsroom yourself. It looks different to what it did even five years ago. certainly looks different to what it did 15 years ago. And I think this is part of this conversation now, too. They, they, they just are not the number. 
of journalists um, being paid to, to cover such events. And, and that, that in itself is of significance. The other aspect, Hutchie, is that it's no coincidence that it was in Sydney. Now, that, that's been a battle for, forever. And while the Swans have become arguably the biggest sporting franchise in the state, not, not just in, a, in an AFL perspective, but, but it's, it's one of the biggest brands um, of sport in the entire state, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get coverage um, in, in the traditional forms of media. And the, the post-match press conference, media conference, is as traditional as it comes. So, again, th- there's numbers on the ground that are, that are clearly lacking. There's interest lacking too. So this is all part of it, Hutchie. I mean, this is still an outpost of, of the AFL you know, calendar, uh, sorry, sorry, geography, the uh, the New South Wales and Sydney market. That, that's another part of this. And with newspapers, this strikes in the heart of who needs who more, which is a really interesting part of journalism. So I know that uh, last year, I'm not sure it's still continuing, that the Swans were contributing to the cost of a photographer to go and to have them come and cover them for newspapers. Hmm. Um, I know some, some sports actually fund a reporter that they pay for and embed in the in the uh, daily papers to cover them back. So the sports are actually funding the coverage of themselves. It's really interesting, isn't it? Like the return on investment for newspapers they feel is not there to go. There's obviously other mediums, but I'm just speaking to the, kind of the, the print media, which has been the the long held um, owner of the post game. Yeah, that's why it used to be called the press conference, not it, a media conference. It did. But who needs who more? And, and, and Hachi, it also gets back to – we've discussed this, I think, as far back as you know the first series of this seven years ago. Um, the, the benefit for Juno – now, you, you've, you've highlighted the, um, you know, the, the, the obvious benefits to a young Juno coming through the ranks, and, and I get what you're saying there, but there's no great – If, you're an, if be- you're an established journalist, there's no reason to go. Th- there's no reason no. to go, is there? I mean, all, all you're going to do no. – all you're going to do is get yourself into a, into a fight, basically, because you are going to feel you need to ask questions that, that you may – want answers to, but but there's no benefit for, for that person asking the questions because they're broadcast broadcast instantly on on every other single platform by your own, and and that's that that's where we've that's I think that's the key point as to how we've got to this stage that there's no benefit for the for the better people and the better journalists to to be putting themselves in that conflict situation for for ultimately the benefit of the host broadcaster. So if if you're mid-30s and you're going along, there's no point. If you're young, 20s and you're coming through, I'd get yourself there and make a name for yourself and build relationships. That would be my take on it. Hey, switching gears again, your take on Elon Musk pulling out of the Twitter bid late on a Friday afternoon demo, (laughs) the $44 million bid. What, what's your take on this? There, there are a couple of aspects of it, Hutchie. We, we threw it into our group chat, didn't we? As a Was it a taking out the trash component to it? Because it was US time Friday night outside the traditional news times when he released that deal. So I wanted to come at it from that perspective initially. You, though, you, you though have been strong on this from the very outset of it being made public, that, that this wasn't necessarily a done deal and that this was a brokering position. And this most recent move by Elon Musk is, is not necessarily a withdrawal from the bid. It's just another continuation of his uh, negotiations to, to ultimately bring the price down. Am I paraphrasing relatively correctly where, yeah. where you think it's at? Yep. I, I think he's. it's a negotiating tactic. So he wants it. He thinks there's a lot more bots than they're prepared to admit. Does he and think that or does he – I mean, I, I don't think you needed to have any form of um, connection to the organisation to know there are a lot of bots. No, I, I mean, mean, have a look can, at your I mean, own accounts. See- yeah. Yeah, you can see some of the um, some of the sports stars, some of the AFL players whose numbers took off overnight when they decided. That's to, right. You know, yeah, they, they, they um, were buying them, weren't they? There, there were there were sports stars oh, buying them. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, I'd be certain that he feels the the bot take up is much more significant than they want to admit. Yep. 
So he's made an offer that they had to say yes to. He's then uh, made a, a, a rider on that that they proved the bot usage. <laughs> They've been unable or unwilling to do that to his satisfaction. Yep. So he's withdrawn the offer, which has made their share price tank 6 to 10% today already. And they're going to have to sue him. In order to sue him, he's going to face down that lawsuit and then again to a quarter law where the bots are going to become a thing. Right. And either way, the share price, the bots or otherwise, <laughs> they're almost going to – this is going to be a forced sale that you would think – Oh, my best guess is he buys this about for 15 to 20% less than he first set out to. Yeah, right. And if there's that – that, if there's that type of saving on the line, if there's eight to ten billion on the line in saving, and you're actually it, convince yourself you're doing the right thing because they're fictitious in what they're selling you, and you're going to get it at a price that suits you. Yeah, you can understand his attempt to do it. Now it's a cheeky and dishonourable path towards that outcome. So I'm not defending the behaviour, but it, it's that's it feels like the way it's tracking for me, right? And yeah. I don't think there's any other buy now. Like, is it? They can't just repeat and go back and say there's nothing to see here, can they? Twitter. There was a billion dollar deposit, which was obviously part of it. But there, it's and then he's today he's tweeting about it. So unlike <laughs> most people who would go to ground on these things, he's putting out um, memes saying, "Oh, you're gonna take me to court. Oh, I have to find out how many bots there are. Like all these type of things." On <laughs> he's done that today, has he? Meantime, he's uh, become a dad with twins and doesn't feel the need to explain that. And we're, we're talking about a very rare um, unit here. Yeah. Actually, what's happening with COVID over where, where you are? You've been exposed um, to, to the workings of, of the United States in, in recent weeks. Um, I know you were in the Hamptons when we spoke or just had been to the Hamptons. You're back in New York last week. You're now in Vegas. What, what are you witnessing by, by way of life over, over there? Because it's creeping back into, into lives over here, as you would have been aware before you took off and as you'll notice when you do come back. Yeah, so there's a um – there's, it does. It feels much more complacent here than in Australia. Like it's unmentioned, unacknowledged. Um, there's no masks. There's a little, you know, tiny, you know, tiny bit of small print about the different variants and and um, whether some mask mandates will come back in some states. But um, largely speaking, it's been it's play on. Like yeah. it's you wouldn't you wouldn't. And, I, and this is the summertime, so you have to kind of probably put that in the, in the context. But um, there's not the rush for the fourth vaccine and. Um, you know, this is a very divided country at the best of times. I don't think I've ever experienced it more divided than it is right now. So, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. We're seeing challenges now with AFL footy and second cases. Yeah, we are, and 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 again, we won't get too specific with with what's going on in, in that space from an AFL perspective. But but Brisbane Lions had a had a heap of players last week unavailable. They've already committed to to there being at least one more unavailable for those reasons this week. There's an expectation there'll be a few more. The coach had it last week. There's a, there's a bit going on in it. And um, look, while the AFL is not going to mandate any significant changes, as far as I, I read the situation this morning as we're, as we're talking, um, there's a there's an unspoken um, messaging coming going out quite quite loudly that hey, just just be vigilant from here because uh, we we don't want a, a third consecutive season so badly adversely affected. It's just it's not going away um, in, in in a footy sense. I mean, West Coast has already been smashed by it. Other clubs have been hit by it, and now right now we're, we're experiencing a, a Second footy club on mass um, being forced to play matches without its with some of its key players because of it. I tell you what I, what I have noticed here, Damo, which has been a remarkable shift for me since I was last here. And I preface this by saying it's not my cup of tea. I've never done a drug in my life. Never done one drug in my life. Um, and I'm not even saying this is a drug, but the 
what is, what is seems to be half a craze, not among my friends, but among people I observed in the Hamptons. Yeah, gummies, gummies, gummies. I, I thought you were going to say vaping. Okay, gummies. Do you know what you know what gummies are? I I've heard the phrase, but take me through what it is. CBD gummies. They're sweet, chewy candies infused with basically cannabis. It's an extract of a herb plant. It's a non-intoxicating breed of cannabis. And, and where, do you, where do you purchase in, the uh, said gummy? Well, they're legal in some, but not all states. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, for uh, largely medicinal reasons, but they have turned into like – the champagne replacement at the really? at the bar and gummies are were as far as I can see. Do they, so do they look I, like was, a the confectionery that we know a, a gummy to be in Australia? They look like little teddy bears, right? Little they're little, little hemp teddy bears. So that and well, that, people go to a bar a and purchase them. No, I think just in social groups, people are um, people are doing gummies. Okay, it's quite, it's not it's it's. It's a thing. It's not like something that was peculiar to the conversation I was in, or yeah, like it was. You just noticed it relatively, relatively widespread. So I've, I've stayed away. But as we see this whole cannabis and um, medical debate emerge in Australia, I suspect that might be, yeah, at some point a trend. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that, yeah. that uh, creeps into Australia as well. The other thing, Damo, I, I forecast last week. By the way, before, by the way, th- thank you for everyone for their feedback on the on the uh, Winklevoss twins. I was going to ask played you. last weekend. Yep. Now, um, if you just block your ears for fifteen seconds, um, <laughs> here's a little sample of the Winklevoss. A lot of debate on whether they are any good or no good. I said they were no good. Uh, a few people told me that I they thought I might have been being hard on them. You be the judge. Here's some audio from them <laughs> last Sunday night. The, one of the world's most famous billionaire brothers playing in their cover band. That's off your phone, isn't it, Archie? That, is, that, is that your recording? <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 I said to you there were people who were you know, being... You know, their friends were you know, clapping along and all the people they've invested in were like, oh, you're so good guys and how good's this? Anyway, I read this demo. Bloomberg, which is one of the most uh, respectable um, financial news outlets in the world, they put out a daily EDM demo, five things to start your day, <laughs> uh, the news you need. Yeah. So I get it every day. So I was reading it midweek. Five things to start your day. Number one, the roaring dollar. Um, it's gained 1% against the euro. Number two, tariff talks between China and the USA. Number three, the pulse survey among equity analysts. Number four, stocks have fallen. Uh, here's what we've been reading. Uh, here's some market trends. And then at the bottom of the story, from Joe Wanzenthal, who's put out today's Bloomberg report, he writes this, while I'm here, in unrelated news, over the long weekend, I had the chance to catch Mars Junction, the 90s cover band fronted by Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, <laughs> co-founders of the Wink- of the crypto exchange Gemini and also Facebook. They played at the talk house in Amagansa, and the crowd was actually pretty into their covers <laughs> from bands like Nirvana and Blink-182. If the crypto thing fizzles, Bloomberg writes, this would be a good next project. <laughs> Give us a spell. <laughs> <laughs> that is favourable coverage 101. I can't line up with that writing with what you just played on your 
device there, Hutchie. <laughs> I, I cannot line Let up it, that. Yep. Hey, um, I noticed on the, the running sheet today, now I don't know whether you've brought it to the table or, or Jane has because I have nothing to do with this, but I'm as fascinated in this as much as anything we've talked about today. Headline, Washington Post. Jane, was it you or was it Hutchie? Jane's shaking her head. It might have been you, Hutchie. Fact-checking movement grapples with a world awash in false claims. Hang on, Jane is now nodding her head. Is it you, Jane? No, Hutchie. Oh, it's all did. over this So one. you brought this to the table, Hutchie. And I just want to read the first paragraph. <laughs> this is where I'm starting to laugh already. Members of fact-checking organisations from around the globe met last week for their first yes. in-person conference in three years. And this is the best bit. Controlling, uh, sorry, confronting a world awash in baseless claims promoted by politicians <laughs> and even governments and increasingly embraced by receptive audiences. Oh, no. They're in crisis, the fact-checkers. They're in crisis, yes, Hutchie. It was in Oslo. It was, in Oslo. Yeah. <laughs> it was the ninth annual international fact-checking uh, forum. And there's more than 500 participants it was from the 69 nine. countries who turned up. <laughs> <laughs> it was 500 participants from 69 countries, which was twice the size, Damo, of the last in-person global fact summit in Cape Town three years ago. Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is a quote from, from our friend, a director of our friends at the IFCN, that being the International fact-checking <laughs> network, I think it is, and, and they they award badges. Remember, because the ABC yep. in Australia, ABC Fact Check has got a badge of authenticity from the IFCN. This is a quote from Babers Orsek, the director of IFCN. Our collective trust in reliable and authoritative information is being attacked by people in power. <laughs> Honestly, I I think you and I need to get ourselves accredited for one of these um, these forums. I'd be disappointed if we weren't invited to be guest speakers at some stage. I think it'd be very much up our alley. So count me in. Sixty nine countries have turned up. (laughs) What do they do, Hutchie? What do they do? One of the great great rackets. Do you know what? You know what's happened there too. There's actually people in among those five hundred people. There's people who have talked their boss into sending them, isn't there? There's <laughs> yeah. people who have gone gone to their editor and gone, uh, listen, there's an important conference. I think it'd be good for my development. I think it'd be really good for the paper's needs too. It's the International <laughs> Fact-Checking Summit in Oslo. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that we stand for as a paper is truth and stand on common. And I think we, there's a lot of trends in facts going on around the world. Trends people in People starting facts. to get more. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people trends? are start, A lot of people are starting to really value honesty. Um, this this whole movement of dishonesty is starting to get questioned for the first time, and I think it'd be important for us for us to be represented there. <laughs> oh yeah, good. yeah, okay. Do, do you do you think they bring examples um, for for each other's um, appraisal over what they've experienced themselves from at least 169 countries? Such, do you think the Australian representatives would have brought the example of uh, the, the 90 second conversation on the Sunday Footy Show that was fact checked by the ABC, um, oh, which, was an, which was an organic conversation, which ended up <laughs> being the focus <laughs> of a fact check? <laughs> oh, do you, you think they would have, they would have brought hey, that? So speaking of fact checking. Quick one before we finish up. I know you've got to head off and do your, uh, you know, write your um, my chasing story today. about North Melbourne. Yeah, my chasing today. I'm chasing semi. Yeah, you'll probably get, find somehow find a way to write a story criticising Glen Archer. But um, well, that will be part tell of me, it. You can lock that in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> tell me this: um, is it my imagination, or is Elbow getting a honeymoon period that uh, would be making these critics in the media rather uncomfortable? Uh 
Yes, but I'm not too worked up. Actually, I reckon there's enough things to be outraged and and then get worked up on. I'm not too. I'm I'm. I reckon it's good that he's he's being able to do what he thinks he needs to do, just for a period of time. Just let him settle in. He's got some ideas. I think he has a genuine uh, desire, from what I can tell from the outside, Hutchie. And, and as you know, this is not a strong suit of mine, the political landscape, but. I think it's only fair that he is given a bit of time for what it's worth. There's nothing that's jumped out off the page at me that that, that I would have thought was requiring, even of his greatest critic, um, anything too heavy to this point. Are you referring to something specific? Is, is it the overseas travel you're, no, you're referring I, to? Or? I think he's – he's. Um, I read uh, a column today talking about News Limited's week with – uh, losing Boris in London and the success of Albanese, and I was just interested in your, in your view on that because he has had a a little bit of an armchair right, except for the trip overseas. Oh, by the way, on the trip overseas, like all points bulletin here to media, and I, I say this to not only the, this prime minister but the one before it and the opposition leader Peter Dutton, who was overseas on holidays doing whatever he was. You, who your cares? Mate. No, you're my Friedenberg. Sorry. <laughs> who cares where the prime minister is? It's 2022. We've got Zoom, we've got Teams, we've got telephones that work. You wouldn't believe it, but you can make phone calls. Uh, we've got a, we live in a global economy. We've got fragile relationships around the world. I don't care if he goes for a year, and we don't need to see a story saying, "Oh, there's you know this um, thing happening while he's away." Like things are going to happen while he's away. It's unfortunate. There's people that can handle that stuff. Same with the opposition leader. If he wants to go to for ten days in Hawaii for holiday, go. And while we're at it, pay them more. Pay the politicians appropriately and, and thoroughly so that we can get the best ones in, for goodness sake. Yeah. All this sort of just easy, low-rent, like low-hanging fruit journalism around his fifth trip over, you know, Penny Wong's seventh trip overseas and should she be back here and all the rest of it. Like, who cares? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I do have an issue with politicians who have announced retirements, and I'm not going to name names here, Hutchie, but there might be one in Victoria who uh, is also who is now embarking upon a uh, an overseas trip despite nominating an end game for for that particular tenure well, well they've been underpaid for the, for that long no no you don't you don't get it- no it's, it's not you don't get a a, a compensatory overseas trip Hutchie, because there's uh. going to be nothing nothing take it from me Hutchie, nothing that comes out of that said trip that is of any benefit let to him, the Victorian taxpayer let them go no let I, don't, go. I don't agree let with that I, I, I was with you until that moment Hutchie, let's go to question of the um, week on the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. We'll go to an email offering today, Hachi. Michael Dunstan being the sender. I recently listened to a podcast hosted by Damo's Triple M mate, Howie, where Jim Nance, the golf and NFL commentator, was the guest. He spoke about how before each NFL game, a day or two before the match, there would be a meeting between each of the team's playing staff and the broadcasters where they would give the broadcasters information on their game plan and tactics, which they could then pass on to the audience during the broadcast. I found this fascinating. Would love to get your thoughts on this practice. What do you make of the move? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Would it add to the broadcast experience? Are there other sports around the world where you think this could be beneficial? It happens a little bit, doesn't it? Not to the same degree. It's quite formulated in the NFL that it's a it's a long-held practice. Um, obviously, it's a complicated game, so that sort of lends itself to you know helping demystify a little bit for the audience during the game. And it's you know it's a hard game to decipher at the best of times. But you know we've seen particularly interstate AFL clubs do it a little bit and try and build relationships with the commentators and the media. I think it's great. I mean, hmm. we just have a level of distrust in our country, don't we? That yeah. is 
at the heart of it. Well, and we have you say clubs d- that distrust in our country, but there's a level of distrust between sports organisations and and the media, and and they would argue for very good reason, Hutchie, as we would also in reply say, well, well, why? But yeah, you're right in terms of raising that as part of this uh, this situation. I think it. I think it's fabulous, and I like. The AFL is probably the only other game like the NFL where it's misunderstood. Like the average fan's grasp on an AFL game now probably is not um, high because of the complexities of what are going on and there's only so much screen you can show it in and, you know, the behind the goals vision. So I think it'll be a very good evolution of the game and uh, it'd be a good thing to do. Hey, what I was going to say, Dame, I just, I just want to get one more thing off my chest before we go. <laughs> Okay, go for it, Hutchie. I was going to say this before. before. <laughs> Off your chest. <laughs> if, if I see one more story about people complaining about airlines <laughs> on the news in the night or in the papers, to quote Terry Wallace, I'll throw up. <laughs> now, let me just let me just lay a few things out here, Damo. I've travelled a bit in the last six months. The airlines are cooked, right? They're in a world of trouble. They've got no staff. They can't find people. Gas prices and fuel prices are fuel prices are through the roof. The logistics of getting in and out of anywhere are impossible, and it is no one's fault. They are the circumstances of our times. We are lucky that we can even get across borders, let alone go overseas at the moment. It is really challenging. You got people in masks. You got people who you know baggage, you know, waiting for an hour, and no one's getting up in the morning and trying to ruin your holiday. We are in a pandemic. <laughs> I feel for people. But like, just we're going to live with this. This is just how it's going to be for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, you, you say that, Hutch. Can but, we stop? But but some people, you know, ha- haven't travelled for two years, Hutch, and they've been hanging on to the possibility of of the July holidays this particular year to take their kids away who haven't had a family holiday. And I, I don't think it's a great expectation for and and, and a, a great problem for those people to have a disappointment out of what they're experiencing, Hutch, because their worlds no, have been shaken that, up as every, well. Every single traveller is going. Yeah. The Every worry is it, it, it's not going to get back to what it was. And, and what it was wasn't good either, by the way, but it, it's going to get nowhere near there. We're, we're stuck with this forever, aren't we? Because nothing ever goes back. The world goes through phases, don't we? We're going through a phase of mass inflation. Tickets are a fortune. Uh, the staff are in sick unexpectedly on the airlines. Uh, they can't control that. They can't get another plane in. They're paying high costs, high logistics. Honestly, can we just have a little bit of empathy? I know it's hard, and we're going to get there three hours early and all the rest of it, but everyone's going through it, and we, and the pandemic isn't just happening to any individual. It's happening to all of us. Yep. No, fair, fair call. Fair, fair sentiment, just not just on the travel aspect, Hachi, but everything else that's uh, in front of people at the moment. Just, it's not a bad way feel, to uh, approach it. The, yeah, we just slip back into our habits like we're complaining that the service in restaurants is as good as what it used to be and all this. Like, everyone's going through it. It's just it's it's a time in our lives that we're going to just suck up and deal with. Yeah. That's my little uh, vent for the no, – yeah, cool. oh, everyone's trying, their, everyone's trying yeah. their best. Yeah, and if you approach that attitude to anything that's going to yeah, – during the course of a day, you'd probably be better off. But let's face it, Hachi, we'll be half an hour, both of us, will be worked up over something that's very unnecessary, as is the case with all of us. And that was Episode 23, Series 7 of The Sounding Board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.